Good morning. It's really good to see you this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on the ministry team today, and today is the first. Today is the first time I get to teach with an owl looking over my left shoulder, skunks running all over the all over the stage. It's just going to be a, a really fun morning. No, I am actually honored to be here with you today. Um, many of you may not know this. My family lives in Olathe, Kansas, and so I have quite a hike every every day coming to work to uh, Lee Summit, coming to church Lee Summit in Lee Summit. Um, I drive a stretch of the road on 135th Street uh, between Schweitzer and Metcalf that I have now affectionately called the Chicken Strip. And it's called the Chicken Strip. I've called it the Chicken Strip. I hope it catches on because I think it's pretty clever. Um, I call it the Chicken Strip because in, that, in, the, in, the, in between those two, two, two roads, there's at least a half a dozen chicken restaurants. That you, have, you have Stroud's, you have Zaxby's, you have Raising Cane's, Chicken Fingers, you have Slim Chickens, and then you have my favorite, Chick-fil-A. Anybody else a favorite, Chick-fil-A? Right? We love Chick-fil-A. I absolutely love it. All of these restaurants serve really good chicken. They have good fries. They have really good sauces. But I believe one of these restaurants excels in the area of customer service far beyond any of the other restaurants, and that is Chick-fil-A. And I... Amen. I... <laughs> I had an opportunity several years ago to go to Chick-fil-A headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'll never forget it. It was an unbelievable experience. And just know that the, the customer service begins at the top for Chick-fil-A. I mean, it was unbelievable. We were treated like royalty there. And I had an opportunity to actually go into Truett Cathy's office. Now, if you don't know, Truett Cathy is the founder of Chick-fil-A. And in his office, I had the opportunity to sit in a rocking cow. So they designate one person to sit in the cow and get, sit on the cow and take a picture, and that was me. So that was an unbelievable experience. But something else penetrated my mind that we're going to talk about today. As you walk into the main entrance of the Chick-fil-A headquarters, you see an image that looks like this. It is an image of Jesus washing the feet of one of his disciples. This image has left an imprint in my mind, and today, after today, I pray that it leaves an imprint on your mind as well, because every Chick-fil-A team member, when they go into the headquarters of, their, of Chick-fil-A, they are reminded of this incredible demonstration of Jesus. This recorded event of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples has absolutely revolutionized an entire organization's culture of customer service. And, and I believe has been a model for other fast food restaurants in our community. And so we're going to press in on this story in just a few minutes. We are wrapping up our series called The Love Revolution. And we have been challenged to be a church not just in our community, but for our community. Pastor Christian in week number one delivered a powerful message that reminded us that we need to do something, that not everybody can do everything, but everyone can do something. And so nearly 300 individuals have already, by now, have already signed up to be a part of our Love Week. We are super excited about the impact we're going to make in the next couple of weeks during our Love Week. Last week, Pastor Ryan uh, shared an incredible message where he challenged us to, re, to be reminded that God has placed us in our communities, in our neighborhoods, to make a difference, to make 
an impact in our neighborhood. And this week, as we go out and, and in, into our communities, I hope to inspire and challenge you to serve like Jesus. Now, we can see this demonstration found in John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up right now or turn on the JCI mobile app. All of the notes will be right there. And we're going to examine um, this encounter that John has and a few of Jesus' close friends um, as he washes their feet. You know, John was a very close friend of Jesus. In fact, John never refers to himself by his name in his gospel. He refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He had a very special relationship with Jesus. John is the only individual, interestingly, to write about this this, uh, this narrative today, this story of Jesus washing the feet of his closest friends. This event begins what is known as called the Upper Room Discourse, where Jesus takes a few final moments of his life and imparts wisdom and, and challenges his, his disciples. And Jesus is only just a few hours away from his betrayal, his arrest, his torture, his trial, and ultimately his death on the cross. And lastly, this public ministry of Jesus is basically officially over, and he spends a few private moments ministering to few of his closest friends. So let me ask you a question this morning. If you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? If you knew you only had 24 hours remaining on this earth, what would you do? I'm really excited. I got to show you what Jesus does because it's profound. So let's look at it. John chapter 13 Verses 1 through 17, it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal... He took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus replied, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Jesus asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So very truly I tell you, no no servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you want to be blessed this morning? Do you want to bless your neighborhood? I think, I think if we take into account what Jesus is demonstrating here today, it will bless you as it has blessed my heart. Now, this is a familiar story to many of us that have grown up in the church. And if you have not grown up in the church and, and faith is a familiar, uh, an unfamiliar thing, perhaps you've heard of a story 
of Jesus washing the feet of some of his closest friends. We're going to look at this story very closely. How did Jesus serve? As we look at the life of Jesus, how did he serve others? I think we're going to find three specific things. Number one, serving others was the mission of Jesus. Serving others was the mission of Jesus. One of his closest friends was a man by the name of Matthew, who was a former tax collector before he started following Jesus. And he said this about Jesus. He says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, did not come to be served, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before the life of Jesus, predicted, he prophesied that Jesus was going to be a servant, but not just any servant. He was going to be a suffering servant. See, Jesus entered into humanity with his identity already firmly established. If Jesus were to wear a name tag, his name tag would have said, Hi, my name is Jesus and I am a servant. Which is a great reminder for us today that it wasn't his mission that drove his identity. It was, it was his identity that drove his mission. It was his, uh, his title as servant that drove his actions and his behaviors. Now, what would your name tag say today? Would your name tag say, hi, my name is John and, and I am a servant? Or, hi, my name is Susan and I am a servant, what would your name tag say? Would it say that you are a servant? See, serving is not only something we do. It's not only a, it's not only a task we perform. It ultimately needs to, be, it needs to be who we become. And Jesus never served anyone because he was a member of a local church. He, he never served anybody because he was representing a cause or a global organization. No, Jesus served because that was who he was. He was a servant. When he was healing the sick, he was serving others. When he was teaching, he was serving. When he was talking with people and, and having dinner with people, he was serving them. When he was traveling the countryside, he was serving them. And ultimately, when he died on the cross, he was serving you and I. And serving may start out as something we do or a task we perform, but ultimately, serving should transition to someone we become. And I, I wish I could stand up here and say, man, I've got this figured out. This is, this is no problem in my life. I've got serving others figured out. Um, a few months ago, I had a pile of mulch delivered to my driveway. 75 bags of mulch. Yes, it was quite overwhelming. So overwhelming, I Instagrammed it, right? <laughs> and so I went to bed Friday night knowing that I had to wake up Saturday morning to lay all of this mulch around my house. So I got up Saturday morning, started, started to cut the saran wrap off the pallet, and off the corner of my eye, I noticed my neighbor across the street. He was pulling a washer by himself into his house on a handcart, all by himself. I mean, he was really struggling. So at that moment, I started an internal debate. Have you ever had that before? There was an internal dialogue going on in my mind. I've got 75 bags of mulch. I certainly don't have time to help my neighbor out. Those were the thoughts that were going on in my mind. And I actually had this thought. Did he see me see him struggling to get... Come on, you've had that thought too. 
Ultimately, this debate kind of subsided, and, and I went across the street and helped him load his washer into his, his house. But it wasn't my first thought. It wasn't the first thing that came into my mind when I saw a need. See, we need to be looking for opportunities to serve others everywhere we go, at the grocery store, at our kids' uh, school, um, on the ball field, or perhaps at home. Are we looking for opportunities to serve others at home or even at work? Is there opportunities to serve others? And if we're going to serve like Jesus, our mission should be to serve others. Serving was the mission of Jesus. And second of all, serving was the attraction of Jesus. Serving was the attraction of Jesus. Take a look at what his friend Matthew writes about in Matthew chapter 4. He says this about Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know, about a month ago, Garth Brooks was the attraction in Kansas City. Maybe some of you went to one of his concerts. He did seven shows in six days. Every single show was nearly sold out. Almost 115,000 people went and saw Garth Brooks perform here at the Sprint Center. 115,000 people. And all he does is play a little guitar and sings a little bit. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the attraction. Just the Galilean region alone. It had approximate population of over 300,000, which had about 200 small villages. And Matthew reminds us that he was not only attracting people from Galilee, he was basically attracting uh, people from all over the, the Middle East. People were attracted to Jesus. And do you know this, that people were attracted to Jesus well before they understood the significance of who Jesus was? They were, they were attracted to Jesus well before they understood that Jesus would ultimately come to be the Savior of the world. His actions were attracting the rich and the poor, the religious and the irreligious, the young and the old, both men and women. And ultimately, his actions proved to be a bridge for deeper conversation and life transformation. Friends, in in just a couple weeks, we have an incredible opportunity to build bridges. I mean, ultimately, that's our purpose of the whole love week and the whole love revolution is to build bridges. You're going to have an opportunity to lay mulch, but you're not just laying mulch. You're building bridges. You're going to have an opportunity to serve others food, but you're not just serving them food. You're building bridges. When you donate suits and shoes and athletic equipment, you're just not donating stuff. You're building bridges. And and in one of the greatest sermons ever told, it was by Jesus, and he said it. He He told us why. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and, here's the why, to glorify your Father in heaven. That's right. And so ultimately, our actions are the attraction for others to see God. Pastor Christian reminded us in week one that that the early church was known for their actions. The fifth book of the New Testament is Acts. 
And it was named that because of the actions of the early church and ultimately our service starting on June 10th through the 15th, and I pray beyond, will be a bridge or a connection for deeper spiritual conversations and life transformation. Do you want to reach a neighbor that you know that's in your community that is far from God? Serve them first. Do do you want to reach someone at your work that you know needs a relationship with Jesus Christ? Try serving them first. Do you want to reach someone in your own home that desperately needs a relationship with Jesus Christ? Try serving them first because our actions will be the attraction for others to see God. So consider your actions this week as I have considered mine. Were people attracted to you because of your actions, because of how you serve them? In your service to others, were others drawn to you for deeper, more meaningful conversations because you served them? Serving was the mission of Jesus. Serving was the attraction of Jesus. And then thirdly, I love this. Love was the inspiration for Jesus to serve. Love inspired Jesus to serve. Let's go back to our narrative today recorded by John, one of his closest friends. He writes this in verse number one of John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, as a final proof for his love for his disciples, Jesus does something absolutely radical. He washes their feet. And if we're not careful, when we read Scripture, we may just gloss over the significance of this selfless act that Jesus does and miss something extremely powerful as we try to apply this into our lives. How can we apply this into our lives? Number one, serving requires a posture of humility. Serving requires a posture of humility. Look at verse 4. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Jesus prepared himself for an act that would leave a permanent imprint in the minds of his closest friends and ours today. I mean, that's what I remember about Chick-fil-A headquarters. I remember that statue. I, I can still see Jesus kneeling down with his with, with his clothes, clothes that are off his body and just that towel around his waist, washing the feet of his closest friends. He removed his outer clothing. He put on the apron of the lowest servant, which was an incredible, incredible act of humility. C.S. Lewis reminds us that true humility is not thinking, of your, of, uh, not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Like Jesus was literally prepared to use the shirt off of his own back and wash the messy feet of his friends and then put the shirt back on. Like the mess of his disciples, his closest friends, it didn't bother him. You see, a servant has a heart of humility who daily thinks of himself less and others more. Secondly, serving requires an awareness of needs. We need to be aware of the needs around us. Look at verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them off with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, washing feet in biblical times wasn't only a courtesy, it was also a necessity. Let's time travel for just a moment 2,000 years ago, okay? 
if we were to time travel, and if you were to wear shoes in biblical times, you probably wore sandals. They were open-toed. You didn't walk on pavement or pavers. You probably walked, walked on dirty roads, live animals all around, right? And, and poor sewage. I mean, they didn't have really good sewage. So if you take all of that and you put it all together, you get one thing. You get really dirty feet, and when you entered the house of a friend or someone you were going to have a meal with, usually the lowest ranking servant, usually a non-Jew, would wash your feet. I mean, this was even a job that Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs would have curled, uh, curled his nose at, right? I mean, he's done some crazy weird things, and this probably would have been one of those. I don't even like to wash my own feet, let alone other people's feet. And yet Jesus saw the need. He saw the need. The wash basin was probably in the room the entire time. Twelve grown, responsible men probably stepped around it, maybe stepped over it, but only Jesus on that day saw the need and was willing to do the act. And once again, he used this as a final teaching moment and a demonstration of his incredible love for some of his closest friends. So are you aware of the needs in your community. I know we don't all come from Lee Summit community, but are you aware of the needs that exist within your community? But let's just take a look at some of the needs that exist within the Lee Summit community. For every 100 people that live close to you in Lee Summit community, for every 100 people that live around this church campus, four have cancer. 16 have no idea how they're going to pay their bills this month. Seven struggle with depression so severe that they've actually thought about taking their own life. Three are grieving the loss of a loved one. Seven are alcoholics. Fourteen have severe anxiety. Eight have lost their jobs. For every 100 people that live in the Lee Summit community, 80 of them did not attend church today, did not go to church today. And 60 out of 100 people that live in the Lee Summit community do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The needs are all around us. I'm really excited about this week and Slamma Jamma. I'm really excited about the number of kids that are coming, but I'm really excited about the number of volunteers that have stepped up and said, I'm willing to help. I see a need. I see a community where children need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm willing to do something about it and be a part of this incredible experience this week. And so we're really excited. Next week, we're going to be celebrating all that God has done this week in our church. But it's only happening because over 150 individuals have said, you know what, I see the need and I'm willing to do something about it. Serving requires us to see the needs. And lastly, serving requires us to trade our titles for towels. Serving requires us to trade our titles for towels. Take a look at verse 14 one more time. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, in the New Testament alone, Jesus is referred to over 50 different titles and 50 different names. But in this one incredible act of service, he dropped all of those titles, he dropped all of those names, and he picked up just one, and that was servant. 
One of my favorite authors named Max Lucado, he describes it like this. Hands that shape the stars, now wash away filth. Fingers that form mountains, now massage toes. And the one whom all nations will one day kneel, now kneels before his disciples, hours before his own death. Jesus' concern is singular. He wants his disciples to know how much he loves them. So maybe like me, maybe your titles have been more like excuses. Man, I'm just too busy. I've got this in I've got this huge pile of mulch I've got to take care of. I'm way too busy to help my neighbor. I'm not really aware of the needs around me. Or I don't really have the resources to truly make a significant impact. My prayer today is that you are reminded that love was the inspiration for Jesus to serve. And sometimes you just need to say yes. Sometimes you just need to say yes. In 2009, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And I don't know if you know much about Haiti, but it is the poorest nation on the, in the Western Hemisphere. It's, it's pretty intense. And I served a week there, and, and one of my jobs was to serve in a medical clinic and serve alongside a doctor who ministered to the needs of the community that we were in. And when you say a medical clinic is open in Haiti, I mean, hundreds of people line up because they desperately need medical care. And I will never forget one of the individuals that came into the room that day. It was a mom. She was carrying her son. And she sat down on the bench and the doctor began to examine this child. And the, and the mom, through a translator, said this. He said, I don't know what's wrong with my son's legs, um, but is there something you can do? Is there a pill that you can give him to make his legs better? And there wasn't anything. The doctor looked at him, had him walk around the room. He didn't walk very well. And finally, the doctor took this child, put the child back on his mom's lap and said through a translator, there's nothing I can do. There's not a pill I can give him. But, but he could get some help in the United States. And it was at that very moment that the director of the orphanage, the director of the clinic leaned into my ear and said, I have all of his paperwork ready to go on a medical visa to the States. All he needs is a host home. That's all he needs. He needs a host home. She said, I know you work at a very large church. Would you mind just asking, just ask some people, would they mind hosting this child to get him the medical care he needs? And I said, certainly I'll ask. Not a problem. I'll make the ask. As this mom picked up this child, I caught the eye, the eyes of this boy one more time. And it was at that moment that God grabbed a hold of my heart. It wasn't that the child was saying, I need help. As he looked into my eyes, the child was saying, I need you. I need you. And so I went home after that trip and I had a conversation with my wife and I said, Hey, I met this child. He needs some medical help. Do you mind? What do you think about us hosting him? And you know what? She said, yes, without batting an eye. She said, yeah, we can do that. Over the course of a few months, Peter came in to the United States. We got him the medical attention he needed. And, and through a series of circumstances, we actually ended up adopting Peter. Now, Peter is our, our own son. And, and he's doing really well. He's doing really well. And all we had to do was say yes. That's all we had to do. We just had to say yes. 
You may not be able to adopt a child, but there are needs all around you. You just need to be aware of them. And we want to help you with that. We are providing you every opportunity to serve in the Lee Summit community. So if you have a moment, just take out your bulletin. And inside your bulletin is a card that looks like this. It says Revolution at the top, Love Week 2017. We know hundreds of you have already signed up to be a part of this Love Week initiative starting next Saturday. So thank you so much for doing that. But if you have not had an opportunity to sign up, can I challenge you today to do so? Fill out this card. Say, yes, I want to make a difference. Fill out your contact information. Choose a day. Choose a time. Turn it over. Choose an opportunity to serve. And then we'd love for you to put your shirt size on there so that we can give you a t-shirt just as a reminder for serving. At the end of the service, take this to, uh, uh, take this to the back and put it in one of the boxes. And, and, and we'll get you connected this week with an incredible initiative. We hope that you do that. But if not, we'd love to encourage you to donate. Inside your bulletin is a, a Love Week donation list. We're going to be donating to the Urban Youth Academy, Urban Scholastic Center, Hope Home, um, Rachel's House, uh, uh, Marion's Hope, and, and to name just a few of them. There's the list in front of you. A lot of these items you can find in your home, but maybe you want to go and purchase some of these things. Please consider donating. We hope that you do. But also to encourage you and to inspire you to make this not only a task that you perform, but who you become. We want, to, we want you to take a card. Take a stack of cards. Let these serve as a reminder that we need to trade our titles for towels and we need to keep it real. Keep it real. Everybody on the count of three say keep it real. One, two, three. Keep it real. Come on now. One more time. One, two, three. Keep it real. There it is. Keep it real. You know what that means? It means we need to look for opportunities to have a radical expression or perform a radical expression and act of love. Keep it real. Serving others needs to not only be a task that we perform, but who we become. And lastly, we will love giving stuff away at JCI. We have a Love Week Difference Maker towel to be a symbolic reminder for us to drop our titles and pick up towels. It's a very nice terry cloth towel. You might be able to wash your car or dust around the house or something, but let it be a reminder of what the incredible, of the incredible act of humility that Jesus did for us to remember. So take one of these with you. Um, the ushers will have these available on your way out. Would you mind bowing your heads?